welcome to the Bull City Summit Podcast, a place where science, technology, art, and music converge, and a place where you can hear more about the Bull City Summit, September 14th to 18th, 2022, in the Bull City of Durham, North Carolina. Today, BCS CEO Parag Bhandari hosts from the EarFluence Podcast Studio at American Underground in Durham. Here's Parag. Hey, what's up? This is Parag with the Bull City Summit Podcast here in Durham, North Carolina. Today we have Mr. Sid Greenbaum, the one, the only. I keep using that a lot. I've been saying that a lot on these podcasts, but this, it, it applies to everyone. There is only one and only Sid Greenbaum in my life. Sig, how are you, man? I'm good, but now I feel like I'm one of many, one of the only, <laughs> which kind of devalues the opening statement. Like, one and only, like, like there's one evil Knievel. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I now feel like I've been whatever, man. Uh, it's good. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. I you know, it's it's typical. You know, I always like to kind of start off with just, you know, how we know each other, which is an awesome story. Um uh, and it kind of goes into kind of how we can structure your your story, but obviously through festivals and events and voodoo music festival, geez, to what, twenty years ago. And since then, man, you've you've become the, the busiest guy in events and the, the 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 career that you you have is is is, is amazing and before going into all of that maybe we can kind of start off with just a, a little a little brief history on you you know starting out way back when and, and into what you're doing now i started my career in radio i did great radio for a long time did morning radio i worked in dc baltimore miami new orleans five days in the desert outside of los angeles and I, all that brought me to New Orleans. And I did radio here. And this is the super condensed version, obviously, because, yeah. you know, radio is a complicated career. Whole another, another story there. But um, I had a radio, you know, my station here that was the program director and did the morning show up for New Orleans, 1067 the end. We had our own end fest, our annual festival. And, uh, you know, voodoo got thrown on top of it. And so voodoo music and arts experience was a single day festival that literally went right in our window. And I wished nothing but failure for the guy who started it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we didn't work with him that year. Hey, funny story. He had tremendous failure that first year. So it was, uh-huh. uh, it was great. It was actually the same year that, <laughs> that, that Coachella started. And uh, a kind of a unknown fact was Coachella also had crazy failure that first year. And the only difference was Coachella didn't come back the following year. They took a year off and Vu did come back. And in that next year, we got to know each other and became a marketing partner. And the next year, we became much closer. And he bailed on all of his marketing partners. And I became his only marketing partner. I was oh, wow. doing programming for you know seven or eight stations around the country as part of the company I was part of. Sure. I just started leveraging my relationships with labels and bands and uh, with marketing outlets, I also was like, "Hey, dude, if this guy's going to go spend millions of dollars on talent, I'll take credit for it. You know, that's better than me producing my own show." And, I, and that's yeah. exactly what I did. And to this day, people <laughs> still think <laughs> Voodoo was Enfest. You know, and that's phenomenal. <laughs> you know, that's good marketing. That's great. That's great. That's not. I would expect nothing less from you, Sig. Seriously, that's great. So it worked out well. Um, and then we, we survived, actually, as we're recording, this is the anniversary. I know it's going to run a couple of days later, but the anniversary of Katrina, 17-year anniversary of Katrina, 
he and I, you know, voodoo happened Halloween weekend. At that time, it actually wasn't Halloween weekend. It was like mid-October. Mm-hmm. So I worked really hard with him to decide what to do with voodoo. We decided to do voodoo. We did it as a free show. It was absolutely phenomenal. Oh, wow. And it really was this clarity. My radio station was off the air um, at the time. So I couldn't even promote it through the radio station. But we figured out ways to do so with our van and stuff like that. And I hosted it. And I really just saw the the meaning of live events to people's lives. Literally people in New Orleans were reopening their shops and coming back to their empty flooded homes to come to voodoo, which we did as a free show. I mean, it was absolutely spectacular. It's spectacular to watch. And it left a a mark on me. That's for sure. And um, he kept on asking me to leave radio and, and come work for him full time. When my radio station went back on the air, we came back as a rocking country radio station, which meant, 38 special and Toby Keith, Um, (laughs) you know, good times. So (laughs) I referred to every artist as Toby Keith for a year. And then I said, no, maybe, (laughs) maybe it's time for me to leave this. And I went to work for him full time. So that, that kind of fast forward, uh, that was like 2007 or something like that. And that's when I started doing marketing and uh, sponsor sponsorship procurement among other things for voodoo. And yeah, we got to know each other because you and your agency had a sneaker company that you were representing. That's right. And you had uh, one of those uh, light brights. The world's uh, largest light bright. The world's largest light bright. We oh, put yeah. you in an awesome place right next to that oh, yeah. store. God, it's really great to kind of go from that and to, to what you're doing now because that same you know, thread has been there. The, the, the event that you put together you know, voodoo music experience is one of like the founding festivals here in North America. Like you, like you said, right up there with Coachella and then eventually become, you know, acquired by live nation and, you know, part of that whole circuit, which was, which was really, really incredible. As far as large scale event production, you're at the top of that game all the way from voodoo to your stint at Live Nation, where I'm sure I mean, you're now working with several other festival properties, given your experience with that, and then leading all the way up uh, to the pandemic, where everything has changed. And, you know, the pandemic is, has, was, <laughs> um, you know, brutal for everyone. You know, I'm sure you were quite taken back by it. Your mental state may have been turned unstable. Till I saw you on Facebook in a go kart made out of a recliner and <laughs> cactus plants. So I'm assuming your mental state is okay. I'm good. Um, I'm good. Yeah, that's 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 a bit of New Orleans. <laughs> so pandemic hits, and it, you know, I I, I want to know this because I'm not, I'm not really sure. But were you still with Live Nation, or you had already moved over to uh, Blizzard and Overwatch, and and that must have been a, a time, obviously, because first of all, you're making this massive transition from huge, large scale music festivals to huge, massive esports. You're working at for the top names in both of those industries, right? So there's a reason why you did that. Maybe you can talk about that and and your experience, like you know, through the pandemic as a major live events producer, and then we can talk about um, things that are going on now. Yeah, awesome. So in 2017, Activision Blizzard recruited me. Like literally I got an email via LinkedIn that I almost missed. Like nice. I literally, of course. Yeah, of course. I wasn't looking for a gig, you know, live nation had transferred over. They had bought C3 
C3 Presents, we, as Voodoo, became part of C3's kind of portfolio inside of Live Nation. And it was just me and Don Kelly, who was the COO of our division in Live Nation. I was the CMO. And together, we were the kind of sole survivors, and we took over Voodoo. And then C3, we worked with them. And it was, I loved working for C3. I loved all yeah. three of the Charlies. They were so good to me. The right. More specifically, you were C3, right? Right. So yeah. that was amazing. And everybody there was incredible. They were starting to kind of expand the things they do. And we were actually at the NFL draft in Philadelphia when I realized randomly looking through Gmail that I had missed this. I wasn't even going to my LinkedIn page. <laughs> and I, I noticed I missed this email from Blizzard. <laughs> and I was like, we're launching an international... But that email didn't miss you, Sid. No, it did not. It <laughs> caught me between the eyes. It was actually pretty crazy because it was like global head of live events. You know, I was like, Incredible. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah. I call maybe I should open this. <laughs> maybe I should <laughs> open this. <laughs> this isn't just some gig somewhere. So I, I, you know, again, I totally missed it. Uh, they were fortunately, it was early in the process and I went through the process with them and I literally was not looking to leave what I was doing with C3. Right. It was, right. I love working with yeah. them. Totally. And it was actually like everything I'd ever wanted. But then this idea, you know, for five, 10 years, I've been keeping an eye on esports. I wasn't a gamer per se, I played a handful of video games, but like, you know, like any of us, you're watching trends and what's happening and where, where the money is going and sponsorship, where's the marketing going, who's actually doing things. Wow. How the, they do that, you know? And so, and I have friends who were working in esports, So I saw things happening with Halo and Riot and, and some of the Activision Blizzard properties, Call of Duty, obviously. So I was curious, that's for sure. And I went through a, if you ever go through an Activision Blizzard recruitment, don't expect it to happen fast. It is yeah. a arduous project. And sure. um, I went through it and eventually they flew me out there. And in like a six hour day, I met with 10 different people and it was this whole crazy thing. And they ultimately did offer me the job. They actually offered me two jobs, my choice, either head of live events for all their esports or specifically for Overwatch League. And Overwatch League. Well, and can you explain the difference, please? Yeah, sure. So, all the other esports were for all the other IPs, whether it was Hearthstone, StarCraft, the other games they had that they other had. Other games live. or leagues under underneath the Blizzard Entertainment umbrella. Correct, that they were doing live yeah. events for. Overwatch League was a new thing that they were launching in the model of an NFL, NBA, something that had never been done in esports. Esports has always been, there's a tournament, there's a prize pool, gaming organizations that have multiple IPs and teams send totally. a five guys to play Hearthstone and they hope to win the, the money with Overwatch League. It was Overwatch was the 2015, 16 game of the year. It was mm -hmm. very different, colorful and just a different take on first person shooter games, very team oriented. And it made for a really good potential next level esports. So, uh, Activision Blizzard went around the world and sold franchises starting at $20 million a piece wow. for teams to own the rights to a city and have a team. And the, and when I got there, I didn't know this, but uh, at the time, it wasn't until like the night before the season, the first season began that we started like connecting dots. Um, <laughs> I was basically employee number five as far as anybody from outside of Overwatch Activision Blizzard. 
Good. And there really were no teams yet when I got there. Yeah. And wow. Every day we sat in a room that was an eight by ten room with a small desk and had daily meeting. We talked, 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 figured it all out, and we created it. And the first team was you created. You know, we created it. It was amazing. Yeah. And uh, Robert Kraft and the New England Patriots were the first team, and then it it just went from there. And the first season we had twelve teams. The second season we had twenty, and so we were all over the world. Uh, we'd taken over the Johnny Carson Studios and created the most epic esports venue you could probably imagine. Uh, and it was really something purely magical. In the first two season, seasons, all 12 teams were in L.A. And we played out of that in the third season, which was 2020, 2020 which was our North Star, was when we started Home and Away, where the teams would be hosting like New York would host Shanghai and and all of that. So it's amazing because you didn't you didn't need to be a gamer. You know, your history as an events producer is first of all, that doesn't even come close. Like you're creating platforms and experiences. Um, but it's just so I, I just wanted to comment because it's so funny when you're saying that like essentially you had to build the league when you got there and you built on your uh history of just creating things like voodoo. To, to see it through that's awesome sorry to interrupt that's just no uh, no it's, it's uh, you know like look i was one of a couple people i i created the live event side of it you know exactly yep it mm -hmm. went from being a small venue of how do we make this feel big and global to selling out barclay center at the end of the first season for that's our it. championship and yeah and that was a two-day two-team best of yeah, three i think i tried bugging tickets from you from that actually yeah, I do remember that. It was like every test message. <laughs> you were blowing me up. God, um, I'm sending you emojis. Yeah, anyway. It was, and it was really, it was definitely really cool and really, uh, it was also really challenging because we were a startup inside of a multi billion dollar public health that's, company. That's exactly right. That's exactly so right. We had the, the, the energy and spirit of a startup. And to your point that I didn't have to be a gamer, actually, they, they hired me because I wasn't a gamer. Yeah. Um, and most of the people in the league on the executive, you know, team were from, you know, NBA, NFL, other non esports entities. And that was really cool because we came in with a different perspective with this vision of doing something that had never been done before. And so that was, that was just a unique place to be. And so for me, whether this thing was a success or a failure, I was like, you know, this is awesome. I'm part of something that's never happened before. The kind of joke on me, by the time it was all over, I was doing both jobs of Overwatch League and all the esports. And I, I, I didn't get any. Yeah. There, was, there, was no, there was no love for your boy on that financial. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's coming, obviously, what you're doing now. But um, no, man, Live Nation, Voodoo, you know, essentially being responsible or one of the the threads for Live Nation's acquisition strategy for festivals, right? Like the the the, the Voodoo Bonnaroo ACL Lollapalooza C three, and then just taking all that into essentially building and making esports outside of your living room into these massive events and properties is just it's just awesome. It's just it's 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 I, I, awesome. Not even the right word. Eh? So man, well, first of all, you know what better resource guy person leader to have involved with bull city summit and thank you very much i mean from day one you've been there and 
can't wait to have you next month um, for the summit. And we've got a panel that's going to talk about um, where we're at with live events. So it was really going to be a live music panel. And then over the past couple of weeks and months since we, we, we redid the programming, it's, uh, it's really turning into a really exciting panel, which you're going to add a really um, unique perspective on because of that hybrid background that you have. Coming out of the pandemic, and you have launched SigFest events, which mm-hmm. is a beast, frankly. And you're you're pulling on so much history in music and esports as you know a pioneer in in those areas of live event production into this new um, enterprise. That's what you're going to speak on when you come here to Durham next month. But love to just kind of get a little background on SIGFest events and some of the other projects that you're doing, then we'll, we'll go into North Carolina, but I know you're just coming off Elements Fest. You've got NOLA by NOLA. You've got a couple other things. Can you talk about SIGFest events, some of the projects that you're working on, some of the things that you're excited about? Sure. Um, first of all, say SIGFest events, like I am so happy I have my own company, but it came out of necessity and it also came, and now that I'm doing it, I'm like, I wish I had done it 10 years ago, right? <laughs> But the reality is you can't do things you can't do, right? You, you need all the other stuff to happen first and it unravels and the experience and connections and, and people and believers and all that happen because of a word that I overuse maybe is crescendo or everything's a crescendo. You know, everything is a crescendo. During the pandemic, we were doing live events for, you know, we weren't doing live events now for um, Activision Blizzard. Uh, when did you we, guys shut down? Talk to me about Activision Blizzard's pandemic response, because that probably led you into SIGFest, right? So Yeah, totally. Um, <clears throat> Activision Blizzard handled it extremely well, because we had, we had an office in Shanghai, so that was happening right. first. And it was so crazy that like our, our co-workers in Shanghai were working from home, and not like for like one day, like forever, right? It was like a thing. And I had sure. been in China in December. I, I had been going around the world. Uh, checking all of our venues for the kickoff of February 2020. So in December 19, I was there for 10 days. And there's some things now that I've looked back on going, well, that was, I may have (laughs) missed what was going on a little bit. Yeah, I was was kind of in it. And so uh, we did kick off the 2020 season. We got six weeks into the season. You know, we kicked off in New York and then we started doing, it was New York, Philly, uh houston dc atlanta and it was amazing this is for Uh, overwatch this is for overwatch league yeah yeah. i was actually on my i was living in california my family was still in new orleans uh we had a match in a a homestand happening in miami i flew into new orleans on that tuesday of the second week of march to go to father-daughter lunch with my daughter at her school on wednesday Flying to Miami on Thursday, event kicks off, loading on Friday, and I had meetings in Orlando on Monday. Wow. And on Wednesday, um, the weekend got canceled. Yep. And on Friday, we went to work from home, and I never made it to Orlando. Yeah. And that was it. Um, and we started, we moved to online, which was a whole other thing of creating virtual sets and working with the Unreal Engine and all kinds of crazy stuff, which was a really great experience. But fast forward um, to, I guess, the spring of 2021, mm-hmm. there was a restructuring. Clearly, we weren't, We, to Activision's credit, they did a great job of communicating work from home, 
making so people had the resources they needed, both physically, whether it's computers and chairs and laptops, uh, or mentally, you know, with with some things that were there to support employees, which was really incredible. Uh, but in 2021, there was this restructuring, clearly no live events, and there weren't going to be any for any time soon. There may have been a little Game of Thrones in there. Um, <laughs> just to, you know, spatter that in there. Yeah. I I was, you know, let go in that period, as a bunch of people in the Overwatch League were in other, other divisions, you know, especially involving live events. I was disappointed quickly because I, you know, was from having been part of from day one, I wanted to be part of it when it comes came back. Yeah, totally. Um, quickly jumped into talking to other game developers and other esports entities and traditional sports, even large arenas to mm-hmm. be part of their strategy. You know, like within like 48 hours, you know, people like you called me and wanted to yeah. talk and see what the fuck I was going to do. And yeah. <laughs> um, some a guy by the name of John Millward reached out to me who works for an agency called Red Peg Marketing. And he immediately was like, hey, man, our strategy for 2022 is music, esports, and live experiences. Do you think you could help us? <laughs> hmm. And I said. I, I may know someone. <laughs> <laughs> I think he actually said, I think, I think you should help us is what he said. That's so great. That's and so, great. so he was, I didn't have, really have a company yet, but that was the yeah. impetus. And they, I'm so appreciative of those guys. As a matter of fact, I have a call with them later today. Awesome. Um, and they've been super Tell John I said hi. I will. Yeah. Great people, yeah. incredible agency, incredible uh, leadership there. And that began it. And so I started my own company and it's really awesome. I'm super fortunate and appreciative of that. My past has made my future. I have not. Oh my God. Ever, I, I, every, everything has come to me is from yeah. people from my past. And that's been really cool. And it's, and it's great. It's as someone outside and kind of seeing your path and, and where you're at now, it just makes so much sense. And it's just a great feeling because you're inspiring others. Uh, you've been insp- inspiration to me when I've been building my business. Um, and yeah, man, I can't wait to, where'd we go last time? We went to Viceroy last time. We're going to go, I went to Blue Note Girl and Viceroy. So we're going to yeah. go somewhere else this time. I, um, I love coming to Durham. I Yeah, you saw it. You saw it when you were here, man. Yeah. Every time uh, I yeah. come and I, yeah. I, that city has, so much happening to it and it, it does it feels like um back in the day when austin was weird and yeah. which is no longer yeah. it is it has such a community of food music art and and a spirit that i have really only seen in new orleans post katrina detroit post detroit <laughs> you know totally. like you know like no, totally um it's really cool. And I, I and there's something it. here that seems like it's going to not, sorry, but it, it seems like it's, it's going to preserve, you know, even yeah. my experience, you know, over the past couple of years, uh, it, the one of the most warming and embracing cities I've ever lived in, this is now home for me, but it's also, it, it, it it's protective and for good reasons and for good people. And I'm, and again, I'm glad you see, you saw that and you see that when you come here. And one of the, you know, this is a good segue, uh, you know, one of the reasons you're here a lot more is because what you're doing with Fortnite and what you're doing in North Carolina, I, I'd love to get your take on uh, the North Carolina eSports Grant Initiative, which is something that has recently been passed over the past couple of years. And 
Um, how are you seeing programs like that coming from state, local, federal government work or, or not work? Um, number one, number two, um, yeah, and I'm not sure how much you, you can talk about or whatever, but how, how is your North Carolina esports sort of trajectory been? Mm -hmm. What are people that are listening to this podcast who are in esports or who are gamers uh, are there resources online that they can check out? Maybe if you can give us a little, little bit of feedback specifically on this initiative. Yeah, I'm not sure. You can probably speak more to it than I can, to be honest with you. Know, one but of the I'm things I was excited to um, come to BCS last year was I was going to meet the guys who wrote that. And yeah. I still hope to do that here soon. Yeah. And hopefully I'll see them when I'm in town in a couple of weeks for BCS. Um, the idea that the city of Raleigh and rather the state of North Carolina is putting together the resources that, you know, if you are going to do an esports event and you want to apply for the money, anything that comes from um, employing, contracting, working with uh, North Carolina based companies gets you a 25% refund on your project on the, yeah, on that expenditure in North Carolina. Sure. And you know, it's really it's enough to make people want to come there and sure. do it. You know, we saw this happen in parts of Europe, um uh, rather specifically parts of Asia and in Europe, but like it's real money that makes a difference. The the reality is esports events are not really profitable events. And most of the right. publishers are doing them as a marketing initiative because you just can't make the money back on, on tickets. It's not going to happen. Right. I mean, going to Barclays center and doing a world championship for 15,000 people, there's just, we'd have to charge a thousand dollars a ticket. And Is that why you didn't give me tickets? <laughs> well, no. I, sent you, I sent you an invoice. Despite all the emoji <laughs> sentences. Um, <laughs> no, I mean like we, we didn't do it. We priced the tickets to sell out. It was the last thing that there was no way to make money on that event, you know? Um, right. But you can make money on sponsorship and you can make money on 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 selling games because of the media surrounding it. Of course. And of course. that's that's what we were there to do. Um in North Carolina, I really can't speak to exactly what, what we're doing there, but it is going to be a great event. Uh the tickets went on sale this past weekend for the Fortnite championship, and that one is just exciting to be part of and that's in november right it's a it's november yep. yeah so yeah. It's, it's coming up so i will be there but the the initiative, it's very similar to what the film tax credit initiatives have been around the country. And it's game That's game. a great comparison. Great comparison. It's, yeah. It's a great, it, you know, it gives, I think the, uh, the gaming program that North Carolina does is it actually gives small, smaller producers of tournaments a real shot at doing something that maybe they wouldn't have been able to do previously. And North Carolina will attract people. Come yeah, do it's that. amazing. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Like even like you know, coming here a couple of years ago, it just seems like the amount of support from a state SLG and 
local small businesses and everything is only increasing now post pandemic with things mm -hmm. like this, this grant initiative. Um, you know, the, the corporate tax rate in North Carolina is going to gradually go down to zero by 2030 over the years. So it just seems all these different incentives and forget about research triangle park and why all these companies are coming here. So, you know, you're, you're, you're knee deep in it, right. From past, present, future. And, you know, I think a, maybe a good way to kind of, wind this down is you've kind of gone through the pain of like a Katrina and then, you know, came back to doing things in New Orleans ever since voodoo music experience to now Nola by Nola. And then like now you went through the pandemic and you had a reset and now it's Sigfest events. You're just going to frankly own it. Um, you know, and I'm just so excited. And um, again, I'm going to stop using that word. I'm scared. I'm petrified of you, Sig. <laughs> uh, for the next uh, couple of years, you know, you've got hybrid events, hybrid festivals, new technology. You've kind of talked a little bit on that, <clears throat> excuse me, based on what would happen, what was happening with Overwatch, you know, uh, you know, the first maybe year or two of the pandemic. Do you see that as a real next step? And, and I think you as, 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 or an expert if, as anyone when you think about hybrid festivals, hybrid events, new technology, you're thinking about metaverse, web three, all of that kind of evolved from esports. You know, how do you see the next five, 10, 15, 25 years in that hybrid situation? And then maybe also throw in a little live music to kind of sum it all up. Is is doing a concert in Fortnite, which was great two or three years ago for a few artists that made some massive press and revenue from those opportunities, you know, is all that real and going to just kind of only get better with web three or was it a fad? No, I think it's going to get next better. I think, like you, but I think it's going to become more widely adopted. You know, okay. I think there is a, a there there with web three. Yeah. I think there's a there there with headsets like Oculus. I think yep. the technology is becoming less expensive. The experience is becoming less jarring and content's being made for it. The challenge right now in the immediate, which is going to predicate the future, is live events are super expensive to produce. Yes. Everything is more expensive yes. and more complicated. And we've got a little, we've got this moment of the festival industry has to, is going to, some things are going to weed it out. Um, that's the first thing. There's just a few too many festivals. The risk is too high. You know, I love when somebody says, Hey, I've got this idea for a music festival and they great. And I, they tell <laughs> me their, their idea that's wrestling and music and, you know, you're like, great. That sounds awesome. Who's paying for it. Right. Everyone thinks that these Who's things paying are for the wrestling yeah, after that, man, I don't really care. <laughs> just you tell, answer that question. I actually had somebody pitch this idea to me. So I'm sure you did people don't really realize how expensive and how absolutely stupid producing a music festival is financially. There are just, <laughs> there are better ways to take your couple million dollars and light it on fire or invest, yeah. <laughs> it. you know, like it's, it's fun and, and you do it for the challenge, but right now insurance is tough to get, you know, yeah. um, it's expensive. There's things you can't even insure now at music festivals. It's very complicated. Recently at a festival, we had to get COIs from members of the press to go backstage. You know, wow, like really, 
Now, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Back, back up, back up, back up. COIs from members of the press to go backstage. Yeah. To do their interviews and press and stuff like that. Correct. If they wanted to be able to have access as official media to go into a backstage area at the festival, wow. there had to be a COI. And that is just, you know, that wow. all of this, you know, adding in hybrid, I think hybrid will always be part of, of the live event future, mm-hmm. but that's another expense. Mm-hmm. And that's not a cheap expense. No. And so festivals are going to have to come a little under. It just all has to like, it still just needs to be sorted out because people want to do yeah. drone shows and drone shows are really expensive. And um, it's an incredible time else. of, yeah, incredible time of like complete disillusion from the live music space, i.e. the pandemic. Mm-hmm. to this whole rebuilding of things but then sort of simultaneous to that is everything's happening with inflation and post-pandemic and everything's more expensive and everything you just said frankly i hope things like what is happening with these grant initiatives and yeah. things that are happening in north carolina in puerto rico and other markets where it's like you know this is where it's going to be figured out that's the other thing about north carolina and durham in general things are getting figured out here you know, one way or another, across multiple industries, across multiple, you know, sectors of entertainment or whatnot. And, um, and it's, excuse me, it's an exciting time, but it's, it's like you said, it's a, it's for better, lack of better words, an expensive time. It's an expensive time. I think, I think the future is very much in boutique festivals right now. I think what you're doing with BCS is on point. It's very parallel to what we did with NOLA by NOLA, you know, that was in response to jazz fest and the fall festival season canceling and the venues yeah. having had two years of no revenue so we created a marketing initiative and a coalition of venues in new orleans and over 10 days did over 300 shows and some of the venues have reported that like last october was their best october in the history of their venue which in a city yeah. like new orleans was pretty pretty awesome to hear totally. um so i think the smaller more localized with big aspirations are going to continue to thrive while some of the bigger festivals are going to have to take some real stock in what they're doing and decisions are just going to be made financially. The big ones, the big, big ones are going to keep going and the, the ones who are midsize are going to be challenged because it's not enough exactly right. money to be made. You know, and to your point in the way you kind of start off the interview, like, yeah, BCS and it's, it's it's great and it's all it's all well and good, but it's Durham too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's what's happening in Durham as a, as opposed to other markets. And you just mentioned New Orleans, which is a, which is a great example. So, uh, wow. Well, we're gonna talk more about it next month, my friend. When wow. you are in your four hundredth and tenth time to Durham in the past two weeks. Yes, I'm looking forward to you giving me a key to the city. I look forward to that. For everybody interested in attending the Bull City Summit, September 14th to 18th, visit BullCitySummit.com to get tickets and info on upcoming events. This podcast was edited and produced by EarFluence. Thanks for listening to the Bull City Summit podcast.
This podcast is a production of EarFluence. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of EarFluence.